Oh, twin ceramic rotor drives on each wheel? Look at these computer-controlled anti-lock brakes? 200 horses at 12,000 RPM? There's only one thing I can be talking about. And that is, of course, the timeless anime classic Akira. Let's talk about it this week on Shonen and Suds. Cody! There, bud. What's going on, man? Not a whole lot, man. Finally, finally, finally back for with, a, with, with some good stuff this week. You know, I'm, the movies are bringing home the bacon. The shows can suck it so far uh, <laughs> since our since our year review. But man, we are we are swinging for the fences, Cody, and I think we've cranked out another home run. Yeah, uh, this was a fantastic movie. Definitely, I'm debating in my head still if it's going to be the top of my list or if it's going to be up in like the top three spots. Um, yeah, just just an all around fantastic film. I can see why it gets the praise that it got, and. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited to dive into it. It is a classic, and we love talking about classics here. Of course, welcome to Shonen and Suds. I'm your host, Chris Adams. And I'm Cody Snodgrass. And, of course, of course, like we said, we can't stop raving about this movie. Um, you know, before, But, you know, this is another one of those movies, Cody, that I'm really, really glad that when somebody who's younger... Um, and obviously, you know, you're an anime fan. You, I mean, you're younger than me, but you've probably been an anime fan probably longer than I have. You know, really, if you if you put, you know, if you put, get down to brass tacks here. But Akira is one of those movies that I always direct people to when we're talking anime. Yes, there's a lot of information. Like when you talk about comparing the manga to the movie, there's a ton of information that's left out. The manga is a very, I mean, it is a large read and it is a commitment to read, but I highly recommend everybody read it. But you know what? If you just have a couple hours to kill, watch the movie, you won't be disappointed. There's, and we're talking iconic characters. Um, the iconic movie poster that has been remade into every IP with every character. You know, we're talking just, I don't know, man, like you, you can't, you can't talk about the art form of anime without throwing Akira's name in there as like one of the best of all time, if not the best of all time. Yeah. And it's definitely another one of those ones that kind of like, brought anime to Western audiences more. Uh, kind of like, obviously, we talked about Spirited Away, Princess Mononoke. Mm. Um, yep. And this was, you know, damn near 20 years prior. Maybe not that. Maybe more like 10, 12 years, I want to say. Because I want to say this was released in 1988. Cody, I was a wee lad in 1988. I was uh, I was six years old when this movie came out. Chris, I was I was not even thought of at this point, but uh, and you were you were a hot <laughs> steamy night in the back of a car somewhere. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, but, but no. Yeah, man, I I've seen this poster. I don't even know how many times. Like the Akira art, like you said, it's been it's used. iconic. Oh yeah, it totally is. Um, and I've always kind of wondered more about it. And now that I got to see, you know, I've always wondered like, why is there a pill like on the back of this guy's jacket? Like, what's going on here? Uh, mm-hmm. 
<clears throat> I always, Cody, when I was a kid, I always wanted that jacket, and I always wanted that bike. Did you ever get like, either, Chris? <laughs> uh, no, I did not. Damn. And if I really wanted the jacket, I could probably find it somewhere. But, like, I mean, it's just such, I mean, especially for people who enjoy cosplaying, like, it's a very simple cosplay, right? Like, I mean, you just red pants, yellow shirt, red jacket, red shoes. That's really it. Glo- red gloves. You're 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 Kool Aid manned out at this point. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely, but no. People will know who you are too. Like it's not absolutely, absolutely. Again, it's I going back to it just being iconic, and you know we we aren't just going to talk about Akira today. We're going to talk about because you know while I still love this movie, I I think because I've seen it so many times, and the older I've gotten, I like. I like some parts about the old streamlined dub over the pioneer dub, but I also think that this is an example of where, like, I don't know how much, how many more times I can watch the English dub and get the same enjoyment out of it. Um, but you know, we'll get to that as we go through the movie. But also, Cody, you know, I've, we're we, we we're singing all these praises to this movie, and uh, my throat's getting a little dry, so I need to know one thing, Cody. What you drinking? Hopefully that crack picked up. Oh, uh, indeed Chris, it did. Chris, I'm on to flavor number two of the Bud Light Retro Summer Pack. What you call? How it. perfect! How perfect! Retro Pack. We got a movie from the '80s. Man. Oh, it's perfect, Chris. And uh, I'm hauling notes playing in the background. Oh, oh you know it. What I want. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. But uh, so last week I had the summer ice flavor, um, and that's probably. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, last week I had the summer ice flavor, and that's probably my favorite out of these three new ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but this week I have the cherry limeade. That's that's a Ooh. that's a close second. I'm a big fan of cherry limeade. You know whether it's in alcohol or whether you know we're stopping by the Sonic and grabbing a cherry limeade slush. Um, that sounds beyond chuggable, sir. Oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, this is uh, just another really enjoyable flavor. I mean, it just tastes like your typical cherry limeade, but you know, this time you're gonna get a little buzz after you have a couple of these. So, uh, yeah, very, very enjoyable, very refreshing on a on a nice summer day. Um, well, you know, I love that. But that's what I'm having this week, Chris. What about you? What are you having? Well, Cody, it was a tough Monday down at the old sawmill. I um. You know, I'm just finishing up this case of Bud Light. I needed something to take the edge off. You know, I looked, I opened the fridge, pulled the old Sunny D purple stuff thing, but I was like, man, I got all these IPAs sitting on the door. Don't want that right now. I just want something that I can put my feet up and chug. And you know as well as I do, Cody, Bud Light's the Bud Light can get it done. Oh, absolutely. So not quite, not as exciting on my end, you know, once I'm actually coming down the home stretch of this, that free case that I received so long ago, about a month ago at this point. Um, so obviously next week I will be back with some fun seltzers, but you know, we don't really off, we don't often have alcohol news on this, but, uh, Cody, I don't know if you saw the other day, I had sent you a photo. Apparently, uh, apparently Pepsi and, uh, Mountain Dew are throwing their hat in the, uh, in the alcohol biz. There's going to be some uh, some hard Mountain Dew coming in uh, 2022. Do the Dew in 22. Yeah, Chris, I I don't know how much I can tell you how excited I am for that. I hope it's I hope it's not you know it's not just like a meme or something. I hope this is this is true. I didn't look yeah. up I didn't look up any info on it or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. 
but man. Well, it's very possible because you can already find like, canned Jack and Coke. And it, it's actual Coca-Cola. So Coca-Cola has thrown their hat into the, the pre-made alcohol ring. So I would not be surprised if it was real. And, you know, I'm not a big Mountain Dew guy because I, I just don't like all that sugar. I Believe it or not, I don't really do a whole lot of sugar or a whole lot of sweets. But um, the fact that it's like zero sugar, we're talking like like seltzer level of like caloric intake, but Mountain Dew and alcohol, like it's it's literally checking all of the boxes for me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I didn't even know about the, the Jack and Coke pre-made. That's... Yeah, those, yeah, those are very real. That is convenient as hell. Uh, you can I, buy them in cans or like some movie theaters, depending on where you go. They've got it like in slushy form. Like, okay, so just a real quick tangent, real quick story. When um when me and my wife were on our honeymoon, we were up in D, uh, Washington D.C. for a day, and we, it happened to be around the time where the movie Alien was back in theaters for its 40th anniversary, and I was like, uh, I really want to see this, and I really want you to see this with me. So we, we spent one of the nights on our honeymoon, and we went to the movies, um, and they had the Jack and Coke, like, slushy machine, and we both pounded down a large one of those bad boys. It was beyond <laughs> fucking delicious. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> we need a Jack and Coke slushy machine. Chris, you know me. I go to the movies every week, so. Oh, dude. I am, Absolutely. I'm, I'm clearly missing out. Uh yeah, that's exciting. And uh, actually, Chris, speaking of news, um, hmm? I want to let me pull up the couple articles here. Um, I love articles. I love news, Cody. Well, because apparently there has been a merger with Crunchyroll and Funimation. Yes, uh, a turd uh, merger. Yeah, but like, I I don't know. I'm trying to find out what it means. Um, because like uh-huh. they they are like they were rivals and they worked together and now. I'm trying to find out the exact details because actually one of our listeners told me about it just the other day, and I forgot to kind of mm-hmm. mention it to you. Um, okay, I'm trying to get some some solid information here because obviously, like Crunchyroll is always the immediate subs, and Funimation mm-hmm. usually does like their the dubs like ASAP. Like they do, like the the simulcast usually. Yeah, simulcast. Okay or something yeah like that's that. the word yeah. I was looking for. Um, Let's see here. I'll just read this little article off. Anime fans rejoice because Sony, owner of Funimation, has completed its acquisition of Crunchyroll from AT&T for a total of $1.175 billion. Was that a billion with a B? That is a billion with a B. Oh, man. That is a lot. That is more than what Amazon bought Twitch for. Uh, and which is kind of more money than I make, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, we got left in the dust long ago, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but this was made possible through the joint venture with Sony Music Entertainment, Inc., uh, mm-hmm. subsidiary Aniplex, uh, which is a familiar Aniplex. name, of course. Yeah. According to the company's press release, this new deal will allow Sony to have access to the two streaming platforms. It will also broaden its range to how both Funimation and Crunchyroll will now share content. So I wonder, <clears throat> like, I just wonder if they're just going to, it seems like a better idea just to merge the two. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that'll happen. You know, I know people like both, um, but I would love to just pay like you know ten bucks or something and get both. That'd be cool. Uh, maybe do some kind of bundle. Um, and apparently, I don't know if you ever heard of Verve, Chris, but it's another. Um, it's another like uh, streaming service. I think that is yes, also yes, yes, yes. I think Verve is also in this mix. Um, 
but we'll just have to see what happens. Um, regardless, it, it, it's something exciting. Hopefully, you know, hopefully they don't just shut down Crunchyroll or shut down Funimation or one or the other. Hopefully they just merge it all together and give us one great anime app with everything we need. Mm-hmm. That would be the dream. But obviously we we'll don't see. We don't want Funimation's UI because Jesus Christ, that app is terrible. Um, it's a turd. But we've talked about that enough over the over the last few I don't know how many weeks we've talked about Funimation being trash. But um, Chris, that's enough. That's enough of the news. I'm ready to dive into Akira. If you are. absolutely. But yeah, one last thing before we dive in, Cody, the return of the question. We actually got a really good question this week. So we'll be really excited to talk about that. But you know what? Let's let's not get let's not just let's not stall anymore, Cody. Let's dive right in to the again the anime classic Akira. Just a real quick tale of the tape. Um, this movie was released in July of 1988, approximate right around a two-hour runtime, maybe a little bit like two hours and five minutes, I believe. Um, and it is directed by the legendary. Katsuhiro Otomo. Now, uh, now, Cody, that name should be familiar, well, not just because of all of the early works that he has, such as, you know, um, Neo Tokyo. I want to say uh, he did uh, Kimba the White Lion, Steam Boy. Um, I want to say a lot of the early um, stuff from like the, uh, I want to say from the, uh, like from the 50s. I want to say things like Gigantor. Um, he had an influence. Some of that stuff was influenced, by, or he influenced a lot of that. Sorry, I'm saying that backwards. Oh, that's you, right. um, yeah, I apologize. Now, he was also a screenwriter for uh, your one of your favorites, Metropolis. I was going to say that's where I was leading to, but no, I apologize. He had not. He did not do Kimba the White Lion. At least in, initially, it wasn't until like the seventies that he started doing stuff, and in the eighties. So I, I was a little uh, overzealous there. Oh, that's but, right. He still has plenty of great works. He also he directed absolutely. and did the screenwriting for Steam Boy. If you guys have ever seen mm-hmm. that, uh, great movie. Yeah, all kinds of great stuff here. And then of course, I see here in this director role, I see Akira the animated series to be announced. <sighs> God, please. Where? Where? Please. Let's go. <laughs> um, but apparently, I want to say I read that he was working on one of the new Marvel movies, and that's what's kind of been holding him up. Very interesting. Let me see if I can find what I read that. Because uh, I, I think it was in an interview he mentioned, like, because there was talks about the Akira film and, like, the Akira uh, animated mm. series. Um, and just because, obviously, it's been, quote-unquote, it's been held in development hell for since 2002 when Warner Brothers acquired the rights to it. Um, but I want to say he's working on, I think it's the new Thor movie. Let me, I'll, I'll do some more double checking while you continue, Chris. No, absolutely. I was going to say, that's not the only thing I feel like that's related to him or Akira that's been held up. Cody, we were laughing about this. But Warner Brothers has actually had the rights to a live-action Akira movie for what seems like my entire fucking life. Um at least since like ninety eight or ninety nine, right? Uh, and yeah, I think it's ninety two thousand one, maybe. Okay, so yeah, way so, too still damn long. a lifetime. <laughs> yeah. And it's so funny that I I remember when I had first heard of an Akira live action movie, the original, like the 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 name attached to all of it was Leonardo DiCaprio. That's your Canada, Leonardo Di- DiCaprio. And I'm just thinking now, dude, like. He might as, he, if he's going to still be attached to this movie, he's going to be the fucking colonel now because he is not <laughs> a, a teenage biker anymore. That's for damn sure. 
That's right. He he's gotten he's gotten old, Chris. Um, but still, obviously, he, he's crushing it. Um, and let me let me just backtrack just a tad bit here. Okay. Um, it wasn't. Uh, who's the director of Kira? What's his name again? Katsuhiro Otomo. Okay, it wasn't. It's not Otomo that was directing this. It was Taika Waititi. Oh, Taika Taika Waititi. Yeah, he's a he's a he's done a lot of comedic roles. He also played uh, Korg. Believe in Thor uh, Ragnarok. He um, he directed and was in the uh, the hilarious movie uh, Jojo Rabbit. If you haven't seen that, okay. Well, um, he he was na- in 2017. He was named the director of the live adaptation of Akira. Um, oh my god, the, the, the movie's gonna be perfect. Yeah, it just needs it just needs to happen. The movie's if he's doing it, the movie's gonna be perfect. Well, let me continue here, Chris. So we got Warner Brothers had scheduled the film oh, no. for release. On May 21st, 2021, obviously that didn't happen. Well, that's done coming on. And filming was planned to start in California in July 2019. However, Warner Brothers put the work on indefinite hold just prior to filming as Watiti had chosen to first direct Thor Love and Thunder, which is uh, obviously it's the sequel to Thor Ragnarok. Um, yep. I mean, I choose Marvel money over Akira money any day of the week, too, so. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but, you know, those movies are, like... (laughs) Number one, always. So. You might as well just walk up to a printing machine and just <laughs> cycle out all the money that you want before you walk away. But yeah, so that's that's our update on that. Um, doesn't look like there's nothing here mentioning any more about this live action or not live action, uh, like animated series of Akira. So you know, fingers crossed on that as well. Um, but yeah, that's. Now, let's just talk about the OG Akira, though, Chris. Absolutely. Um, oh, you, you know what? I, I got it mixed up. I was not thinking... Ca- and again, the mix-ups keep happening. I was thinking Osamu Tetsuka. That's who... The the character designs... Because Katsuhiro Otomo, I believe, directed Metropolis. Ka- uh, Osamu Tetsuka is the guy who did the character design, who did, like, Eight Man, Gigantor, Kimba the White Lion. That's why I got those two mixed up, because those two are, are, were associated on uh, Metropolis. Yeah, I mean, it happens. We got a lot of names we got to remember. and uh... Well, it's like it's like that, that meme I posted today on the Shonen and Such Facebook page, where, I, you know, like, I don't know if you looked at it, <laughs> oh, yeah, but I that's literally me every week. A lot, a lot of names to remember. I'm not the spry young bartender I used to be. I don't remember the names of people like fucking clockwork. But that's neither here nor there, Cody. So, Akira. 1988, based on the massive 1982 manga, um, which, again, one of the things here, to, to just to, you know, I'll hit it home one more time. There's a lot of story here. And the movie does leave out a lot of those nuances, specifically in the back half of the story. Um, So, if you've read the manga and haven't watched the movie, it's probably going to be one of those things where maybe you're disappointed by the lack of content. But clearly, if they're doing a series, they are going to rectify that situation sooner rather than later. (laughs) But we're not talking about that, Cody. We are talking about the, at the time, dystopian future but now it's in the past, you know, it's kind of like, you know, we got a Blade Runner situation here, right? Like, so we're introduced to some really quick lore when the movie starts where basically, uh, you know, World War Three happens. 
There's a massive explosion. Something happens in the middle of Tokyo. And you're met with this map of, you know, the, the new geography of now what is now Neo-Tokyo. Um, in the year 2019, Cody, here we are. In the wor- and this world that we're dropped into is full of, I mean, we're talking, there's like a police state. There's constant rebellion. You, know, you got anti-government protests there, and gang violence as far as the eye can see. You got you got whatever uh, you know whatever Canada's gang is called. You've got the fucking clowns, which are kind of the big you know the ones you see. And you've got Cody. We're we're about to just hit the fucking fan with just really wacky government controlled experiments. There's just so much shit happening here. It's a lot to take in. Oh yeah, and of course uh, their gang is called the Capsules. Hence the mm-hmm. the pill on the back of his jacket. Um, well, there you go. Um, but yeah, taking place go. in 2019, you know, the last the last great year, Chris, uh, before everything went to, to, oh, indeed. to shit here. Uh, Maybe Akira knew what was up the whole time. Maybe they knew that 2019 would be the year. But um, what's interesting, yeah, like, right? No, go ahead, please. Just like a little side note. I think it's cool that like they even talk about how like the Olympics is coming to Tokyo. Obviously, we just had the Olympics yeah. just passed. So like, it's just neat mm-hmm. watching it like at this time because. I mean, obviously, we never knew that we'd be here doing this podcast. We never knew the Olympics would get delayed a year. Um, but it, it just mm-hmm. just a cool little, like, huh, like, that's kind of neat. A little touch of reality in there, which I think is, yeah, I agree. That's super, super neat. And uh, so we're introduced to this little seedy kind of underground bar as it kind of focuses into the present. And in this little bar, we're introduced to a couple of the main characters. Of course, you see... Um, you see uh, our main character, Kaneda, just, I guess, chilling over at the jukebox trying to put on some cool bops here. And then one of his, uh, one of his, uh, his cohorts, one of his gang members, uh, we, don't, we don't hear his name yet, uh, but Yamagata is his name. Uh, in the earlier dub, he was always just referred to as Yama, um, which I kind of like better. I think Yama just kind of rolled off the tongue. It felt a little more slangy. You know, you've got hip teenage kids, you know. Like, if you got a friend named fucking Richard, you probably don't call him Richard. Or, or if they've got, like, a longer name, like, my name is Christopher, you wouldn't call me fucking Christopher. You'd call me Chris or whatever it is. for You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there was something a little more organic and slangy about it. But anyway, so, you know, Yamagata approaches uh, Kaneda and kind of just gives him the skinny, like, hey, you know, we spotted the clowns over, you know, wherever. So what does Kaneda do? Cuts on the iconic bop on the jukebox which i love i love the theme song associated with this movie okay that like, is just i was just making sure that was the theme song when you mentioned that i want to say it's it's cons- I, I can't i think it's called tetsuo's theme or something like that okay yeah because we're also introduced to tetsuo just outside the bar who's kind of yep, because he's he's eyeing up just old googling oh yeah kanita's bike mm-hmm. which obviously he wants that bike some kind of bad Oh, yeah, because he's got, like, the cool custom bike. Obviously, you went over some of the specs in your little intro spiel. Um, but, yeah, they kind of hop on their hop on their rides, and uh, they go to chase down these clown guys. And, obviously, this is, like, another rival biker gang. Yep, and, we're, and we kind of get to see a neat scope of the city here, Cody. Like, again, this is the dystopian future, but there's also a lot of, like, cyberpunk elements to it. Um Everything is that very 80s cyberpunk. Everything's kind of chunky and blocky and neon and 
tall monolithic buildings and like that are just beyond tall and then you've got like when you get down to the street level everything's dirty and grimy and trashy which was i would love to go back in time and pick the brains of like sci-fi writers who because if you go back and watch any kind of cyberpunk movie from the 80s this aesthetic just kind of defines it and i would love to see like why that aesthetic defines it i mean yes the economy was shit in the 80s let's talk about that so maybe it plays off of that that maybe that the economy never really recovered and it became more of a global problem and just snowballed into that but anyway i digress so we're getting some really intense action sequences here nice bike chases i love that and here's the thing too for a fucking damn near i mean how old is this movie at this point we're talking what 30 plus years 35 years at this point um 38 2018 would be 30 years it's like 33 years old about Okay. So 88, Our math 98, 98, 98 2008, <laughs> 2018. Yeah, yeah, we're approaching we're approaching 35 years at this point. Animation still looks very good. Yeah, I was I actually... love like the like kind of the blur behind the bikes when you see their lights kind of leave like the tracer trails, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, and it definitely fits with like the Neo Tokyo theme, like all this neon yep. and holograms mm-hmm. and I mean, like you said that animation's extremely impressive. Like I don't know if I've yeah, ever so, seen an anime or animated film or anything that's this old, but looks this good. This good. Yeah, and it's still, like, the animation still holds up. Because I, I, I think one of the big things here, Cody, is just how realistic the people look. Mm-hmm. I, I, and everybody, like, ages, like, people's differing ages are, are, are very noticeable here. Like, it's just really quality animation. But, Cody... This gang warfare happening on the mean streets of Neo-Tokyo is not the only thing happening tonight. So, we're seeing, um... Well, you're seeing protests happening in the streets. That's a big part of this this future that we're seeing. But we're also seeing, um, somebody being led through the crowds. It looks, he looks kind of, kind of injured... Oh, yeah, but he, he's, he's he's bleeding all over the place, Chris. Yeah. And he's like, you know, there's this young, short kid, quote unquote, you know, got a baseball cap on, like really trying to maneuver through the crowd. But like if you get a good look at this kid, he is he's old and wrinkly. There's very something something very off. Yeah, he um, is, he is literally blue. Like as blue as yeah. pajama Sam from the old computer game. Like Oh yes, <laughs> absolutely. Uh so and, there's clearly something out, and like you can tell that this guy's trying to get this kid to safety. Yes, uh, he is in. So they, there are people in hot pursuit. They are looking for these people. They're these quote-unquote terrorists. Yeah, and they kind of come to the point where like, it, like the police basically have this section of this road blocked off, and they're they got like the spotlight on them. And we see uh, two of our other characters, who I believe. Is Ryu and K? And K, yeah, Ryu and K. Okay, just just a tangent here. There are way too many names in this film that start with a K. There's Kanita, K, Kai, Kyoka, mm-hmm. and then Kaori. <laughs> just yeah. d- just my little my only gripe about this film probably. <laughs> a lot of alliteration happening here. Um, but yeah, you see Ryu and K kind of like trying to make it to um, these two. And uh, the man, he basically is telling the kid to run. Um, 
the police he fires a couple shots at the police and then the police chris they just unload on dude the they fucking unload they just turned this guy into fucking swiss cheese dude it was like the it was worse than the genro scene i was like oh my god they dude they plow they just they just dump every like clearly ammunition is not in sort <laughs> short supply in the dystopian future in neo tokyo because they unload everything they got into this guy and um well, after he gets just blasted, so anyway, they start blasting. Um, and after <laughs> he gets obliterated, you see the kid just kind of like, like, just in shock at what he just saw. And just, he lets out this scream and it just like destroys, like, like it sends out like almost like this shock wave, like it destroys the, like, just everything around him. Like glass starts to shatter, everything starts to break. And then he just kind of, disappears yep not as fades away yeah and ryu and k just go oh he disappeared um they're like what the fuck and chris it gets even weirder from here because then we flash over uh to like another like blue character i believe they're referred to as espers is what they're technically called um so i'll I'll refer to them as that um so we flash over to another esper who looks a little bit older and like sitting in almost like a like a chair, kind of like Frieza used to back in the old Dragon Ball Z yeah, days. Some Frieza, like some Dr. Wily capsule bullshit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we see... Um, who else do we meet here? We meet... Uh, we meet the Colonel here. Colonel, we, yeah. we meet... Uh, yeah, we meet uh, Colonel... Um, oh, Shikishima. Yes. Because, um, um, like, he, he... I guess what you kind of get this vibe that when... This this Esper used his power. The other one was able to sense him. Yeah, and he and can... he lets the colonel know that hey, I found him. This is where we need to go. Yeah, they can definitely like sense each other. Um, so yeah, you got all that going on. Meanwhile, you still got Tetsuo and the boys doing their biker gang stuff. And there, uh, of course, one of the things we see here, um, I can't remember if this happened before it cuts over there, but we, we kind of meet like the leader of the clowns. He's this like big fella on a bike and we get a really cool scene where he like headbutts somebody and they roll over his arm. But oh, yeah. um, I, I think that's already happened, which is kind of cool. But the really the 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 culmination of this scene is we got Tetsuo in hot pursuit of this member of uh, this these couple members of the clowns now one of the things here oh not just tetsuo it's a couple of the like kaneda and a couple other people to preface all that tetsuo is definitely the runt of the group um he he's just he's kind of the brunt of everybody's jokes he is definitely the least experienced i don't know there's just something very just very beta about tetsuo right he's just kind of a soy boy beta cuck man but (laughs) Yeah, I he, don't think he means to be that way. He's, I feel like he's just young and just inexperienced. And, like, I think he's just been bullied. And like, he's just very, I don't know. There's just something about him that, like, just always feels like he's behind the curve on everything. Yeah, and he definitely seems like, I don't know if it's, like, immature or just, like, unstable, maybe, for, like, lack of a better term. But, like, he uh, just, maybe. Yeah, uh, we'll find out quite a bit more about that. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, he eventually, he... Takes out the one bike. I think the one clown um, just crashes, and he catches up with the other one. Hits him over yeah. the head with like a pipe, um, and then crashes into the same Esper boy that we saw before, who disappeared in front of the protest. Yeah, this was this was a big scene, man. Because like 
Kanade and everybody are in pursuit. Well, like something happens, like I guess like a fire breaks out and like they get stopped by like the, the fire being extinguished inside this tunnel. And uh, they, they, they all kind of stop, but Tetsuo just says, fuck that and keeps going. And they're like, yo, Tetsuo, wait, you know, don't go off by yourself kind of thing. But you know, of course, him, you know, he's got something to prove, so he's not going to stop. So, yeah, he catches up with them. One guy crashes and uh, the other guy crashes. Like, one guy like crashes and dies. The other guy crashes, rolls, and, you know, gets a nice little raspberry on his knee only for Tetsuo to come up and just fucking just boom, lead pipe across the noggin. And as he looks back to talk shit, Cody, he turns his head just in time to see that same kid in the middle of the road. And then, like, he go, I, I just love this scene. Like, you hear him go, like, he crashes and he screams out. Then all of a sudden, like, he just kind of, the bike just stops and yeah, he explodes he, in front of this kid. Yeah, and this kid is perfectly fine. He is not, doesn't have a scratch on him. So it's, there's some mystery there. Um yeah, and old Tetsuo Tetsuo is laying in the street, just mangled. I mean, and the animation doesn't—he doesn't seem to hurt based on the animation, but I can imagine he is—he's—he's uh, he's probably tore up. Oh yeah, and then of course broken bones and yeah, and of course Kaneda and the boys catch up, and uh, Kaneda obviously tends to Tetsuo, um, and Tetsuo like points him out, like he says like that kid, but obviously he's he's struggling to form sentences because he's obviously just oh, yeah. wrecked his bike. Um, and basically, the cops arrest uh, Kaneda and the rest of the boys, and then like the colonel... the massive helicarrier fucking lands. Oh yeah, you got like five helicopters landing. Um, mm-hmm. The colonel and like his his group of like scientists and soldiers. They take the oh. Esper boy back with them. We see that other Esper that was like in the Frieza chair. I don't know their names. I know they're like number twenty five, twenty six, and twenty seven. Um. But, and they also, like, they stretcher up Tetsuo and throw him on the helicopter, too. Yeah, they just take Tetsuo off with them. So, obviously, Kaneda's concerned about that. Um, but Yo, where the hell are they taking him? Yeah, these soldiers and these cops mean business. So, they, they kind of, I want to say they give him the butt of the rifle. and he. Oh, dude, they tell, they're just like, they're like face down on the ground, hands up. Like, yeah, they, they, they are not, they, they are looking for any reason to shoot these kids. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. 20, it is 2019. Who would have thought? <laughs> Yep. An old man. And then we uh and then we pick up after that. We're back we're at the we're at the cop shop here, Chris. We got And it's so weird, right? Like this this police station, it, it almost looks makeshift. Oh yeah. Like, like it it's it I guess it's because of the people they're arresting from the protest. They just need more space to process all these people. Yeah, that's what I, I kinda figured. It seemed like it was just like a building. It didn't even seem like a mm-hmm. an actual like uh like an officer thing mm-hmm. um but yeah after after some questioning and stuff like that they realize that these kids aren't part of like the the anti-government like terrorist group uh yep and they're of, just like they're too fucking they're like they're, the cops are like they're too fucking stupid to be a part of this which i'm i'm assuming they're referring to like what kai and ryu and like, i don't think we get that guy's name the guy that got shot um um <sighs> I think we hear it like later in the movie. It's almost like a like a throwaway line. Okay. But um, but the th- thing is too, what we do notice, we uh, Kai, um, is your name Kai? Kai. K. K. K is actually in this police station too. Somehow she got picked up in all of this, and uh, we we kind of have like a funny scene here where like 
while while people are being brought in for processing or being let go or whatever whatever it is they're doing, whatever they're trying to do with this little police station outpost, it is quickly interrupted by somebody who is part of this resistance, and he's got a fucking grenade, a makeshift grenade in his hand, and he just like pulls out the pin and is like, "Long live the revolution" or whatever he says, and then like the everybody's like, like I, I just love the scene where like Connie Dunn like. Um, what's his name? Yama and I forget the other guy's name. K- I think that's Kai. Yeah, that's Kai. Yeah, so you got I, Kai yes. and K here. <laughs> Dude, they start to fucking scramble to get away from this guy, and like the the grenade ends up being a dud, and they just beat the like the cops just beat the piss out of this guy, <laughs> okay. and then they just drag his mangled body away. Yeah, and this is where our boy Connie does. He kind of he, he catches he sees Kai. And he, mm-hmm. he kind of starts... smooth operator, man. He he wants to get him some uh, some poon tang pie, sir. Yeah, because the cops are like, all right, you kids get out of here. And he's like, actually, we had one more friend. He goes and grabs her. Obviously, they haven't met mm-hmm. yet. Um, but he's got the hots for her already. And uh, yep. gets her out of jail, too. Um, and, of course, he's trying to talk his game outside of uh, the cop shop. And she's basically he's like... He's like, hey. well, see ya. Yeah, he's like, I didn't even catch your name. Um... Yeah, we'll see more. He calls her like he's like, "Why well, didn't you catch her?" And he calls her like an ungrateful bitch or something yeah, like, like that, like a cold bitch or something. Just in time for that fucking grenade to finally go off inside the cop shop. Oh yeah, so funny! Like what a great scene. Then, uh, Cody, we get back to the um, we get back to really the meat of this story. Where we're going, where we see like Tetsuo like on this, like almost what looks like a like a like a uh, like a cat scan machine. Oh yeah, like a super cat scan machine. Like this thing's oh, dude. flipping and turning. You got like all these guys behind the glass looking at it, and um, mm-hmm. we meet uh, the doctor guy, or what is he considered? Yeah, yeah Doctor on- Onishi, I believe is his name. Mm-hmm. Kind of like our creepy doctor dude. Um, yes. And he's and, uh, he's a lot of similarities uh, between Tetsuo's like psychic aura and. Yeah, the titular Akira. Yep, that's where we hear our our name of the movie. Uh, But we don't really know what that means at this point. But uh, they they do, uh, I want to say, I don't know if they talk about it here, that comes up soon, but basically we find out that it was actually Akira that was responsible for that massive explosion um, in the 80s before World War III happened. I thought that was like the end of World War Three or something. I don't know. It's basically yes, like the yeah. big explosion we see at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's interesting that, that Tetsuo has this ability. Um, we also get mention of the numbers, which are obviously the, the little blue Esper kids are the mm-hmm. numbers, because the doctor basically says he'll be a great addition to the numbers. He, he starts talking like saying how he's got to give them some level 7 medicine, you know, all kinds of weird oh. scientific stuff. Um a lot, a lot of scientific hooey here. Oh, yeah. You also get to see some uh, some what the colonel's involved in. Like he's part of whatever like this council is. Um, there's and I don't know. Like the colonel definitely seems like he's at odds with whatever this government entity is. You know, he's more worried about you know whatever's happening is going to destroy the city. Um, there's there, there's a lot there's a lot of a lot of political maneuvering and a lot of intrigue here. Um, that I feel like we 
it's just kind of there. It, 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 sometimes it does feel a little jumbled, but really the takeaway is, is like the Colonel, to me, the Colonel feels like he's just trying to fight through all the bureaucratic red tape and just really keep Neo Tokyo from going to shit. Yeah. And he definitely doesn't want anything to do with like this power that Tetsuo has. Yep. But it's something that he has to deal with because, you know, if it got out, it could cause like another, you know, another World War Three explosion type thing. Um, exactly. And what happens, Cody? Guess what? <laughs> Tatsuo gets away. He fucking escapes from the hospital. That's right. We get a, we God get, damn it. We get a fun scene of the kids at their new school they're at the worst school oh. in town pretty much kind of like the last and they get fucked yeah oh dude absolutely oh yeah they get they all get smacked at least one time here uh hey, dude this is the last stop before selling your body this is the last stop before blowing guys at a bus station for a sandwich <laughs> this this is this is it if you don't if you don't make it here you're just you know nothing yeah and uh we're also introduced to kaori kaori uh yeah, kaori who, who was like tetsuo's girl because um, she's obviously very worried about Tetsuo, because obviously the boys haven't seen him. They know he's at some hospital. Wish uh, that I had Tetsuo's girl. And then, of course, he breaks out, meets up with Kaori, uh, gets out mm-hmm. of the hospital, of course. And uh, he said, he kind of mentioned some things, like they did stuff with his head, uh, mm-hmm. which is like bandaged up and everything. Obviously, we saw him on like the big CAT scan machine, all that stuff. Um and he basically comes up with the plan. He's like, hey, we're, let's run away. Let's get out of here. Um, and so he comes up. Chris, he's always been eyeing up uh, Kaneda's bike. So while Kaneda and, oh, no. while Kaneda and the boys are in class, he heads over, grabs Kaori, and hops on Kaneda's bike, and they head off. Um, of course, the clowns, they catch up to him. Because uh, uh, he breaks down because he does – I guess he doesn't understand, like – because even though you get the vibe that Kaneda stole that bike, like, it feels like a pretty complex machine. Like, he he basically stalls out because mm-hmm. he doesn't know how to drive this thing. Like, it's it, he's definitely not a, you know, he's definitely more of a, you know, a tricycle guy. He's not ready to, he's not ready for the two-wheel experience. So, he stalls out, and of course, Calvary stands up, rubs her tush because she's been sitting on that hard-ass bike all day, only for the clowns to roll up on him. Oh yeah, and they attack them. They're like, trying to take her clothes off. They're beating on him, and uh, fortunately for him, uh, Connie Dunn, the boys saw him take the bike, so they catch up to him. And uh, what a great scene where Connie like jumps off, and he like runs up and just runs on the front of the bike and just kicks, just jump kicks the the fucking clown just right in the chops. Then we kind of get this great scene where like. Tetsuo's really letting out some anger here. This is this is kind of where we get to see te- the issues that Tetsuo has. Oh, yeah, because he is beating the shit out of this guy. And uh, yeah, he is definitely got. He's got some repressed anger here, and we kind of see this. Um, he 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 kind of explodes on Kanida here. He kind of just tells him like he's tired of being bossed around. Like, stop ordering me around. Like. You know, we can't let him do that. He just goes off on this tirade, and all of a sudden, dude, he starts having some, like, like whatever has whatever been happening with the experiments and with the doctors, he starts hearing, like, he starts hearing names. He starts, like, he's, like, I don't know what's happening to him, man, but he's wigging the fuck out. 
Oh, yeah, he's seeing illusions, like his guts are all spilling out. and he's Oh, like, my God, dude. And he's, okay. like, scooping him back up, oh, and man. it's like, dog, what are you doing? Yeah, and he's seeing scenes of Akira, like, in his head, and, like, just all kinds of shit. And he's obviously, like, being, like, very, um, trying to be mm-hmm. distant from his friends. He's like, leave me alone, all this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Now, of course, the doctors are keeping a close eye on him. Uh, they got, like, radars and all kinds of shit. And basically... And don't they roll... A roll around in like the fucking like paddy wagon and like scoop him back up. Oh yeah, yeah. They show up in some big old science van and mm-hmm. they grab him once again. And Kanida once again is just like, what the fuck are they doing with his friends? Like this is like mm-hmm. Kanida's best friend, even though he's harsh on him. Um, yep. but like, which we get some really cool backstory down coming down the home stretch of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we flash out. It's like a night on the town. Kanida. And, mm-hmm. Like Kanida, Kai, and Yama, uh, they're out, uh, kind of just with some girls, but they don't have their bikes. They're kind of like, it might, it's almost like Kanida's kind of down in the dumps because like, he doesn't know what's going on with Tetsuo. Um, so mm-hmm. they're they're just kind of chilling on this like bridge. Um, and we see, I want to say it's here we see this like big explosion happen. Mm-hmm. And then yes, we, we kind of flash over to uh, Ryu and Kei. Right, there's mm-hmm. too many K's, K's, um, but it makes it. It seems like this is another one of those like little resistance movement attacks, um, and Kanida sees her basically, and obviously he's he's got the hots for her, so he heads off chasing after her, and uh, she kind of she's getting chased, Chris, by the the local police or the military, whatever you want to call them, mm-hmm. and uh, right as one draws the gun on her. Our, our boy Kanada comes to the rescue once again of another character in this show, and uh, he takes out the one guard, and uh, Chris, she shoots the other one in the face. Oh, just right <laughs> in the fucking face, and it definitely shakes her to the fucking bone, because she was, uh, boy, she was not ready for that. Yeah, I didn't think she was going to be, you know, I didn't think she was going to kill anybody, but here we are. Oh, boy. She did, in fact. Yeah, and so... We get a scene where they basically run off because there's more officers coming. Um, and then we're right back to the CAT scan table with Tetsuo. Um, and this time we're getting some more scenes. I believe this is scenes from his childhood that he's like, not quite reliving, but he's just like revisiting in his mind. Um, mm-hmm. Basically seems like he was, I don't know if it's like an adoption or like what it is, but he's basically like at this facility. Um, and it kind of makes it seem like this is where he met Kanida. Um, I don't know if they were both like orphan kids or like how this all happened. But even in this scene, Chris, it's still like he's seeing like these illusions, like buildings are falling all around him and like the ground's cracking. So like mm-hmm. whatever they're doing is these experiments they're doing are definitely causing causing some issues for our boy Tetsuo. Um, yeah, and I want to say th- th- this is where he is having the. Um... Like the no, that's not quite yet because he he hasn't seen like the animals and shit yet, is he? Oh no, he hasn't seen the, the, okay. the even crazier stuff. The, the fucking the teddy bears and the cars. Doom, 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 doom. Yeah, and then then we flash over to Yoko, who is mm-hmm. number twenty-five. She's the one of the three Esper kids. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously the colonel's there, the doctor's there, and she's kind of mm-hmm. basically saying like she, she has these visions that almost always come to fruition. And she's saying there's going to be another explosion like there was back in the day. She's like the three of us referring to her like Esper 
siblings, I'll say mm-hmm. that. Um, they're going to get to see Akira again. Um, obviously, the colonel's very worried about this, because, like, the last time Akira happened, like, shit hit the fan, obviously, tons of people died. And she's saying it's basically going to happen again. Um, so we got a little bit of uh, foreshadowing here. Uh, and, and obviously, she's referring to this power that Tetsuo has, like, basically that he's going to become, like, the new Akira. Um, so. Yeah, because because now we get like because we do. I want to. I can't remember if this happens here, or if it happened before. Where pretty much Kaneda goes in with the resistance members, and they've got a plan to infiltrate the hospital that Kaneda's in, and like they've got like passes. They've got everything. You know, they're they're definitely doing some espionage shit here. Mm-hmm. Um. You hear the name Mr. Nezu as the person who provided all of this information uh, to Ryu and everybody. Um, of course, they do try to kill Kaneda. They, they, they kind of want to kill Kaneda, but you know, he, you know, he, he definitely demonstrates value. He uses the Dennis system here. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, and this is where we get uh, some more of the like, like that roundtable discussion you kind of mentioned earlier, um, with oh. like the Colonel and like. I guess it's just the head of Neo Tokyo, like all these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it gets very... Everything's happening very, very fast here in kind of the middle of the movie because where we go from here is the Resistance infiltrates the hospital. The the Espers attempt to kill Tetsuo. Oh, yeah, Chris. We get one of the wildest scenes in that I've ever seen in animation. Like... Yeah, they, like, want to kill Tetsuo to, like, prevent what's happening. Like, oh yeah, it, it's it's <laughs> so weird. Like, it's, it's, but, like, so he has these weird, this part's very, very weird. He has these weird hallucinations where, like, these teddy bears and, like, these cars and, like, the, the he's swimming in milk. He cuts his foot on a glass. But, like, this is all created by the espers trying to fuck with Tetsuo. Yeah, I'm assuming they're doing... All they do is piss him off. All they do is piss him off. Yeah, I'm assuming they're doing this to try and prevent, like, the the foreshadowing events. Like, they're trying to prevent this. Yes. Uh, But just a very wild scene. Very cool animation. Like, he crashes through the one wall, and it becomes, like, Lego blocks. Like, all kinds of wild shit happening here. Um, And then, uh, of course, well, he... um, Well, he's definitely pissed that they're doing this, because he realizes it's them after being able to get through the... um, see through the illusion and uh well he kind of goes on a bit of a murder spree inside this uh, inside this hospital oh yeah this is when the movie really picks up because uh, he he walks out of his room and like one of the doctors and a couple of security guys come down They're like what are you doing mm-hmm. you're not supposed to be out of your room and you know he's pissed like he's had it with these experiments and chris he just fucking with the swing of his arm just rips all of these guys melts oh my god it, you got arms stuck to the ceiling like they are just liquefied and i'm here for and all, also I'm here don't for forget <laughs> i am too and while all of that's happening the uh the infiltration is not going so well for our resistance folk because they're greeted in the sewers by these uh by these security officers wearing uh not wearing but riding these like these hovercrafts with like gatling guns on the front oh yeah and like one of like, a couple of our dudes are gunned down like almost fucking immediately yeah, and our boy Connie, the, he snags one of these uh, hover bikes after taking out the officer on it. And mm-hmm. Grabs 
K, and they, they fly off on that. Um, but yeah, like you said, our, our guys are getting gunned down. Tetsuo is just continuing his onslaught through the hospital. Um, yep, and he, he finds the room where um where Kyoko is, and I want to say that she is... um. Da, 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 da. But it, again, it gets weird, because like... I can't remember if it's Kyoko, or it, if it's... He has the... the yeah, because like, well, like, Kyoko is like possessing K and like talking through K like it's so weird yeah and we also see um the other two uh Masaru and Takashi they're that's what basically like blows away like the giant teddy bear and like the giant bunny rabbit mm -hmm. um and we that's see, th it's them yeah and we see them like like they obviously like come out of that form um mm -hmm. kind of just have like a little fight between like these esper people basically and it's literally just them screaming at each other and like watching like the the background just kind of dissipate, go wavy, and then go back to being solid. Like they're trying to get inside of each other's heads. It's really neat. But uh, th what you what it gets like, what it seems like to me is Tetsuo is way more powerful than them and doesn't realize it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, it definitely is. It definitely is tough to tell like what's real and what's an illusion. Um, of course, the colonel and the doctor and, like, some of the soldiers show up, and they're trying to kind of calm Tetsuo down because obviously they know, like, the kind of power that he possesses, but obviously he can't control it. Mm -hmm. um, and he is he is upset, Chris. <laughs> yeah, and, and Tetsuo eventually gets away from everybody, breaks out of the hospital, because he's told by Kyoko at Tetsuo, you can actually find Akira... You know, he's in cryogenic storage underneath the Olympic Stadium. Like, you know, the, the where they're constructing the stadium for the Olympics. He, like, he's cryogenically frozen under that. So, what's Tetsuo going to do? Well, you know what? This can help me figure... If this Akira person can help me figure this shit out. You know what? I'm just going to go... I'm going to go find him. So, he escapes the hospital. And, of course, and... he does see Kanida. Because Kanida breaks through with... Um... Yep. K. Kai. K. Jesus. K. Kai. <laughs> Too many K names. I agree with you. Yeah, and this is where Connie that kind of gets to see. He's like, hey, we're here to rescue you. And, like, we get to see, like, he gets to see Tetsuo's power because he, like, hits back some guards and, like, knocks back Connie Dunn. Connie does, like, what the hell's going and, on? And, and Tetsuo is like, I, you know, and this is where, like, you kind of see Tetsuo kind of really, really his, his balls really start to drop here, Cody, because <laughs> he's just like, I don't fucking need your help. Like, he just kind of. Like, almost, like, turns on Kanida on a dime because, oh, he's got a little power now. Now he thinks his shit's, you know, that his shit don't stink. Yeah, he kind of, like you said, he turns on a dime here. Um, mm hmm Yeah, then he, of course, follows, finds out where Akira is from uh, Kyoko. Mm -hmm. in another K. Um, and so we we now know where he's going. He's going to, to find this Akira. He's obviously been seeing images of him in his head. Um and, but, yeah. and, and this is where things start to happen real fast again, because we cut to a scene where Tetsuo, he goes back to that bar in the beginning of the movie, and he um, you know, he, he, he wants to get drugged up. I guess, you know, whatever he's going through, he needs these drugs to make himself feel better. And Amagata, uh, I want to say Yama and Kai come in and they see him, but and they start talking, I guess they, they kind of have this weird moment where, like, they start talking shit to Tetsuo like they normally did, like that picking on the little brother kind of stuff. And what does Tetsuo do? Dog, he just straight up m kills everybody but Kai. Yep. 
Yeah, so he well, is. The bartender, Yamagata's fucking way dead. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, so yeah, he's he's definitely changed. Um, but yeah, leaves, leaves Kyla, K alive, excuse me. Um, and then we flash over, Chris, we're in, now we're in a jail cell. And Connie mm-hmm. Dunn, and Connie Dunn and K, oof, <laughs> these names. Connie Dunn and K have been basically locked up, but then we see... Kyoko, one of the Esper girl, the Esper girl, she like takes possession of K and like gets them out mm-hmm. of this this like prison that they're being held in. Very mm-hmm. odd scene. Like I didn't, I felt like we almost didn't need that scene, but I guess it was just another thing just to get us from to the next plot point. Um, oh, and and by the way, uh, not to gloss over Yama's death. Uh, one of the big things it is very very different in the manga. Kanida is actually present when Yamagata dies in the manga. He's got he's basically holding a gun to Ted, Tetsuo. Yama um, is I want to say this is actually at the Olympic Stadium, and uh, Tetsuo just blows his head up. Really? He wow. like and he right in Tetsu right right in Kanida's arms. That sounds like a way cooler scene that should have been in the movie. Yes, yeah, I agree, and that that's one of the things I I, I really really pissed that like even if it wasn't the same like i really wish we'd have gotten like that yamagata death scene just just for the gravity of it because it's like in the manga it's like oh shit it's one of those kind of moments yeah it sounds awesome because i mean it makes it seem like the scene is kind of unnecessary where like Kanida and her are just locked up and then the esper yeah. chick just gets them out and it's like i mean it's only like a couple minutes like there's i felt like it could have mm-hmm. just been i don't know um, i agree I agree. But of course, then we get Kai. Yeah, Kai. Okay. Kai catches up with Kanida and Kay uh, and kind of brings them up to speed on what Tetsuo just did. Obviously, killing Yamagata, killing the bartender, taking out pretty much everybody in the bar and destroying it. Yep. While that's going on, by the way, the colonel has staged a military coup. He is now in charge because they need to go ahead and just reel in Tetsuo because, uh,. That's not the only thing that's happening, because uh, Tetsuo is marching down the fucking street, and just nothing is going to stop him getting to where he needs to go, my friend. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> um, and then we also get to see... Chris, I don't even know who this guy is. He's not the colonel, but he's the other dude. Um, The old man... Is it Nezu? Is that who Nezu is? Yeah, the, yeah, this, yeah this is Mr. Nezu. Okay, the guy with the, like the long hair. And this yes. is like where the like the coup takes place. Um, yep. And I want to say, and this is where you find out because you you see Nezu with the colonel a few times during the movie, but you also find out that Nezu's the one who's been fueling the uh, fueling the resistance. Yeah, it turns out he's a little, little double agent stuff. Very. This actually mm-hmm. like reminds me a lot of um, Jinro, uh, kind of mm-hmm. like just the the double agent type stuff. Um, and obviously with all the protests and, like, anti-government mm-hmm. stuff. Um, yeah, very interesting stuff here. Um, but like you said, we got we got Tetsuo marching down the road, fighting off the military, fighting. You see, like, the clowns are attacking. Like, basically, he is just marching, Chris. He's got his new, his new cape on. He find, <laughs> I can't remember how he gets it, but he's got, like, a... Uh, there's, like, a, 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 like a, a store that's been blown in by a tank and he just rips it on the broken glass on okay. the front and turns it into his little cape. Um, but what's happening while he's marching his way to the Olympic stadium, 
He's developing a following. There's people like I guess the cult of Akira are like, oh, that's what, like they're like following. You got like this guy with like prayer beads, and like people are like following him mm-hmm. because they're like, oh, this is the second coming of Akira, which they're, they're they're not entirely wrong. Yeah, and we saw a brief glimpse of them earlier, um, but we kind of just it's kind of just like a gloss over. Thought they were just yeah, you thought they were just background. Characters. Yeah. Oh, look, more crazy people in this crazy world. Um. But yeah, they're they're definitely rolling with our boy Tetsuo and uh, Chris. Neo Tokyo oh. is getting fucking destroyed. <laughs> yeah, and because it's not not only is Tetsuo stopping at nothing to reach his destination, the military is also pulling out all the stops. They're pulling out fucking laser rifles, dude, and like they're trying to shoot Tetsuo, and like he's deflecting the beams, and it's like just killing the people behind him. And of course, what does Tetsuo do? That they're on like this this bridge over top of i guess whatever body of water it is and he just destroys the whole fucking bridge yeah dude, doesn't there. care soldiers uh cultists people following him just doesn't give a shit just they all just come taking the plunge yeah ta- i mean he's taking out tanks he's taking out all kinds of shit it's a very cool scene like you get to see like the the gravity of like his power and all this stuff um and of course we see our boy Kanida. he grabs his bike and mm-hmm. he, he's obviously gonna go try and Stop his friend, save his friend, whatever he can do. The crown, save the town. That's what that's what he does. That's right. And uh, we see Tetsuo. He eventually gets to like, I don't think this is the the Olympic Stadium quite yet, but it's like the the military facility. I want to say this is where he was being like tested on. Or, it's, um, or it's no, some... no, the, the, no, this is the um um. I'm trying to think because it's where um. Oh no no the cryo. Under the Olympic Stadium, because he gets to where Akira is. That's right, that's right. Okay, I, I'm getting that confused. They just left that place. Um, it just seems like a lot to be going on under the building where, mm-hmm. like, like the Olympic Stadium would be. Because um, there's, like, tons of military and all this stuff, but... Because, like, when he gets there, um, he does find Akira. But, you know, yes, Akira is frozen under this... Um... Under this chamber, in the academic sense only, because he has been, Kira is not whole. He has been dissected down to like his central nervous system. Oh man, they got him. Like, in, they got him in mason jars, Chris. <laughs> dude, every, he is in so many different tubes and beakers and jars. Like his, like his, his, his spinal cord is in one. Like his eyes are in one. His central nervous system is in one. Like. Like I, 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 he is in as many pieces as a human being can be in. Yeah, and we also see another scene where, uh, where Kyoko kind of takes control of Kaori um, and tries to tries to stop Tetsuo. Obviously, no match for him. Yeah, they have like a nice little psychic duel at at poor uh, poor K's expense here. Yeah. She doesn't die, but she's definitely um, no match for Tetsuo. Oh yeah, it is K. It's not Kaori. Dude, Ka- Kaori, Kaori is um, Tetsuo's girlfriend. Right. We see here uh, soon after, but we actually get a, a nice little duel because Ka- uh, Ka- uh, Kaneda has caught up to Tetsuo, and he's armed with one of those laser rifles. And they um, they have some words, and you know Tetsuo still kind of has this little brother complex that he you know he's tired of being pushed around and he you know he blames it's almost like he blames Kaneda for everything you know yeah, and of is, course you know Kaneda's not having that shit 
Yeah, it just seems like that's what just seems very immature. The baby, um, man, he's just a baby. He's just, you know. Yeah, he can. and he's, he he finally got some power, and he doesn't know what to do with it. And man, Kanida is putting up quite a fight for having to deal with a guy with fucking supernatural he's, power. He's a flailer, man. He's a fucking flailer, dude. <laughs> you know, he you know instead of just wondering what's happening when he starts floating up, he just lets that fucking trigger go on the uh, <laughs> on the on the laser rifle and gets him. But he actually he actually gets him right in the chest. But the laser ra- runs out of battery as it hits Tetsuo in the chest, and of course, like uh, Kaneda, who had the upper hand, he was about to kill Tetsuo, but the battery ran out, and of course, Tetsuo is like, you know, Kaneda's like, he's like, God damn it, he gets really mad. He's like, Why don't you fight me with your bare hands? And Tetsuo's like, Okay, whatever, I'm gonna kill you now. But then, Cody, we got the old fucking, uh, we got the old fucking satellite of dawn here. The fu- what it was the thing called in Gears of War? The fucking uh. Oh, I can't remember. Of dawn. But I know what you're talking hammer about. Hammer of Dawn. The fucking Hammer of Dawn. Hammer of Dawn. And, uh, and uh, we have this orbital soul satellite where, um, I, I don't know, and they just start raining fucking death down on the Olympic Stadium, and they uh, they get a piece of Tetsuo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, they sure do. Um, well, and not to overlook, by the way, while this is all going on, every time it flashes back to the scientist in his little lab truck, Tetsuo's psychic aura that he's been studying is just fucking going out of whack. And that's why the 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 need to get him medicated and get him back under control is more pressing than ever. Because right now, he is volatile like he is he is the chem he is the things you're not supposed to shake you are he is a soda being shaken up and getting ready to be handed off to somebody as a joke oh, yeah. you know it is we <laughs> you know he we're cutting the do not remove label off of a mattress here cody we are approaching critical mass <laughs> with whatever is happening in uh, happening in tetsuo here but and he also loses but, an arm he gets hit by one of these like satellite beams um they get shot down yes. at him um, Boy, does that piss him off! Oh yeah, he he flies up to space and takes off the fucking satellite, <laughs> crashes this bitch to the ground, but not without not before Saul gets off a couple more pot shots at Neo Tokyo, and causes a lot of damage and destruction. Oh yeah, Neo Tech Tokyo, I like that. They're gonna have to postpone the Olympics, Chris. That's gonna be. Oh, dude, you know what's fun to do in you know what's fun to do in Neo Tokyo? Pack up and move, because. Uh, <laughs> You're not going to own anything after this. Because yeah, that's what was just leaving a path of destruction here. Um, mm-hmm. Then again, we like you said, we flash over to the doctor. We see his like aura, whatever he's studying, uh, whatever scientific mm-hmm. term there is for it. It is going buck wild. And then we get a cool scene where like Tetsuo basically like reconstructs a new arm on himself out of like the rubble yeah, and, and... in the city. This is where I get kind of confused here because it seems like we get a little bit of a passage of time here. Like I don't know if it's this is the next day or what because yeah he's cre- constructed himself a new arm but like Aori shows up and to the Olympic Stadium she, all she hears is Tetsuo like screaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I don't know if it it's so weird. Yeah, it gets a little. I, I want to say it's that night is when this happens because we see it, it flashes over to Canada and K uh, to Kai and they're like trying to fix their bikes and you get kind of a lighthearted moment where Kai's bike just like can bust because it's being charged by the battery. But yeah, th- like you said, 
then we're inside the the Olympic Stadium, and you see Kyori making her way to like this stone, uh, like throne, like chair type thing, and mm-hmm. and like you said, she hears him screaming. She finds him and like kind of helps him because he's like hobbling. Um, he's definitely pretty messed up, and she's like asking about like what happens, what happened to your arm, you know, like what's going on, like, and he's mm-hmm. still in his like little like immature like. As long as I destroy things, all this stuff m- mood. Um, and we see the colonel. He he's also making his way into the uh, into the stadium as well. Uh, and we also see like Tetsuo's arm. Like, oh, dude, he's starting to his body. He is starting to fall apart at the seams. Yeah, like his arm is like connecting to the chair that he's sitting in. Like, oh, it's so gross. Like it's all just like fucking big old gloopy. Like it's so weird. And and even like and the colonel kind of tells him he's like you're having trouble. I know what's happening. You need to come back to the ho-. like he kind of gives him the chance to come back to the hospital and get some medicine and get his shit right. Yeah, but of course Tetsuo just attacks him as well. Um and also like yep. behind Tetsuo he has those jars that have like the Akira's like brain stem and like all that like all of his like mm-hmm. like central nervous system type stuff. Um But Tetsuo- and uh and and Kanada shows up here, and uh, things get re- this. This is where, this is where I talk about where the movie gets very, very out there. Because, uh, boy, well, Tetsuo a- goes through a bit of a transformation here. Yeah, not only does Kanada show up, but like Tetsuo goes to like grab the Colonel with like, dude, his arm transforms into like this like almost like an old school like monster movie type looking arm, and like surrounds like, the like Colonel. the blob. It's yeah, weird. Yeah, and like then Kanada shoots at him. And then obviously they have an- another fight here, um, and Chris, it gets weird fast, <laughs> to say the least. You see the Esper kids show up, and they're like wanting to go see Akira. Um, mm-hmm. Meanwhile, meanwhile Tetsuo is just blobbing out of his pants. He's just becoming this massive, just mass of like fucking just flesh. Like, everything's growing, like, fingers. It's so weird. And, of course, he starts, you know, he feels, he's back to feeling helpless again, like he, like a kid. And the first thing he does is reach out for, like, Kaori and Kaneda and like, almost engulfs them. Yeah, Same he, thing with the colonel. Colonel gets caught up in the wake of this gl- this big old fucking glob. Yeah, you hear him saying, like, please help me and all this stuff. And, yeah, Kaori gets... S- Swallowed up and actually killed here. Um, she gets smushed, which and was, like, and Tetsuo can like feel it. It was a tough scene to watch too. Yeah, and like, Kanida also gets brought into the mix. Um, it's like a weird scene. Like Kanida's basically in this mass of Tetsuo. Um, mm-hmm. Fortunately for him, he doesn't die. Um, Kaori obviously like doesn't doesn't get out alive. Um, but you hear like Tetsuo like it's. He's trying to, like, help Kanida. He's like, you gotta run away. Um, and eventually, like, I think Kanida shoots his laser rifle thing to get out of there. Yeah, he shoots his way out of that, uh, and he's just, like, covered in fucking just blob. Dude, I mean, this this is, like, a very grotesque scene. Like, and the colonel's trying to get the, the Esper kids out of there. Meanwhile, the doctor's looking at, like, the... His aura on, like, whatever meter gauge thing they have. Chris, mm-hmm. shit is hitting the fan here. Like, <laughs> well, dude, and it's like, and then again, 
very hard to explain part, though like in, in it an is, audio it podcast. is because like because like as tetsuo's body becomes uncontrollable like this awakens akira and akira creates this massive singularity that like you you kind of get this thing that like you get that same explosion Mm-hmm. that took place in the very beginning of the movie and it engulfs everything and like then you see that like the doctor the scientist who's in the um the truck is like oh this is like the birth of the universe right before his truck gets crushed and he dies in it um oh yeah but tetsuo kaneda have been like they've been like sucked into this singularity and this is where you get a lot of the backstory you start to see you know Kaneda and Tetsuo, like their friendship when they were kids, how they met. Um, and and I, I don't know, like it's very heartwarming because you see that they were actually really good friends. And, you know, like Kaneda kind of looked at Tetsuo like a little brother because, like, Tetsu- Kaneda seemed very much like Tetsuo, but he kind of like grew up. He matured and became the leader of this, you know, of his little family. And I felt like Tetsuo maybe always wanted to be like Kaneda, but just maybe didn't have the, I don't know, like he just didn't have the, the ability. He's just, he, he was, he's not a leader. He's still kind of a kid. He's just, uh, you know, I don't know. It's really hard to describe. But while all that's going on, the the three espers pretty much come to Kaneda and they, they pretty much rescue him. They get him out of this singularity. Um... Well, first they, they they get the colonel the fuck out of there. They teleport him to safety. He's like back on like uh, like the city highway, like far away from the uh, from the um the stadium. So colonel gets out of this scot free. Um, but then they rescue Kaneda from the singularity. Now the only thing I have some questions about is in like mm-hmm. the singularity, like where we're seeing these like these memories of Tetsuo. Mm-hmm. Is this Tetsuo with the other three kids? No, that's Akira. Okay, that's Akira. Okay, that's yeah, that's my, actually Akira. They do look awfully similar, and we've only seen Akira, I think, like once, and it was just a few moments ago. But like mm-hmm. Akira, like it almost looks like maybe it's Takashi that I'm thinking is Tetsuo, mm-hmm. um, who's the yes, the younger. Yeah, boy. The, the kid, the kid. Well, the the kid in the Frieza chair looks a lot like Tetsuo. They got that both have, kind of have that big old fat round face. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm just measuring like foreheads because Tetsuo has like a big ass head. Um, oh, dude, there's the 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 amount of forehead in this <laughs> movie is pretty astronomical. Yeah, so I was trying to figure out. I was like, I know that, I know there's Akira there. I know the girl, obviously. I was just trying mm-hmm. to figure out if Tetsuo was with them back then, but he wasn't. He had just it was not. Yeah, he was just like a. I don't know if him and Kaneda were orphans because like we never see their parents or anything like that. But they like, like mm-hmm. like we mentioned, like. Kind of it was basically like a big brother to him. Um, but yeah, they they rescue uh, Kanida out of this thing. Would you call it a singularity? Um, yeah, the old singularity. And basically, like we we see the the three kids, the three Esper kids. They say like we can rescue him, but then we'll be trapped in there. Uh, mm-hmm. Which I think is probably for the better. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, and. But it, it's so it's like the the singularity starts to engulf the city, and it's like we're about to have another explosion. But um, but then like it it dissipates, and we kind of get this last little scene of uh, of 
Anita and Kay. And then we get to see our boy Kai. Kai lived through all of this bullshit. And he's just so happy to see uh to see Kanida. Like, what a fucking ride for this kid, huh? Yeah, we see like the singularity come into like a, a tiny like marble sized ball of light and like Kanida catches it and like mm-hmm. I, I don't know, it's kinda confusing here. Um yeah, our boy he, he's just, he's 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 kinda mourning like I I guess whatever this drop of light is is all that's left of Tetsuo in this physical plane. And you know, and kind of at the end of the day, like Kanida loved Tetsuo. It was like a brother. So like he's more he lost his brother. Yeah. Um obviously the build up to this. I mean, that sucks, right? I mean, if my brother started turning into this big old meaty glop of goop, I'd have to put him down too. You know. I, I would hope he would do the same for me. <laughs> that's right. Uh and then we get like we get this I think credits roll at this point. We might see like the general, um or the colonel as well. Uh, oh. the they ride off on their bikes, Kai, Kai and Kanida. Um and then you kinda get this little like it's almost Oh no. What's happening inside the singularity still, like all these flashing lights and moving parts, and then you just hear the last words of the movie are I Tetsuo. Yeah. Very... And you get the then you get the bop the yeah I love that shit dude yeah so it definitely leaves it open for you know interpretation what you think's going on here and I love shit like that by the way yeah because uh, the ending got a little a little wild for me um but yeah that is that is Akira Chris what a what a ride definitely that the, the final few scenes are very hard to describe in podcast one. Well... But I also I also definitely think that there's so much happening there because you know we didn't even cover you know Ryu showing up to Nezu saying you know the plan went awry it's like it, it's like I think there's just so much happening in this in this second half of the mo- of the story that it I don't know I I, I the I think, movie is phenomenal but it doesn't do the story the justice it deserves yeah I think the movie definitely deserved like a an extended cut. Um, yes. Yeah, like a probably like another good half hour at least. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, but if this TV show is a real thing, we could be in for a treat. That's right, Chris. Especially if uh, Otomo's in on it. Like, yes. Obviously, he can hurry up whenever he wants to. We can get this thing. Hey, rolling. get his ass in gear, I, please and thank you. I want to say Otomo isn't like he's old, but he's not. He's not too old. He's not Hayao Miyazaki old and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was born in, like, what, the 50s, I think, yeah, is when uh, Otomo was born? He's 67. Okay, he's a young pup. Yeah, he can he can definitely crank this out, and I hope he does. Uh, he, can, he can crank Hither. Because I'm sure he's not going to ruin his own, like, series. Uh, no way yeah, is he going to mess up his own series. Um, yeah, hopefully that that does come to light. We get that Akira animated series. I, I, I want that more than the live action. I, you know, right? Fuck yeah. I mean, you know how, how we feel about live-action films. Like, I, mm-hmm. I I could care less about that. I'd rather just get a, a, a series where we can go more in-depth of, like, the second half. Yeah, I'm prepared for the, the live-action to be uh, just a big swing and a miss. Yeah, because I, I forgot about the Ryu and Nezu scene, even. Like, because while that's happening, mm-hmm. you're just focused on uh, Tetsuo just destroying the city and, like, all this chaos going on. You don't even... Like, it's hard to focus on whatever the hell is even happening there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Absolutely. That is, that is Akira, Chris. Um, really glad to have checked this one off my list. 
Uh, absolutely. Definitely just a, an absolute staple. Uh, if if you're into anime and you haven't checked it out, please do. <laughs> it is a fantastic, fantastic piece of cinema. Um, and one of the other things, too, Cody, is um, it's actually... Like, it's still very, very popular, especially when, like, you know, you talk about, like, theatrical releases. This is one I actually had the opportunity. Uh, again, it's an opportunity I had to see in theaters when they re-released it. Um, when they, because the Pioneer dub came out in, like, 2001 or 2002, and the, a lot of local theaters were showing it. So I actually had a chance to see it when it was released. So that was pretty, pretty lucky of me to be able to do that. Yeah, and I mean, so if you ever get a chance to see it in theaters, do it. Is what yeah. is really what I'm getting at. Yeah, hopefully it'll. I want, wasn't this in theaters, like when we first started the podcast or something like that. Uh, it sure as shit was. I remember it we talked sure about it, and I was, was like, "Oh, I might go see that," and I never did. Um, so hopefully, like when the the next year of it being out comes around, or maybe like the 35th anniversary, I can go see it uh, in mm -hmm. theaters because I definitely love to check it out in theaters. Um, yeah, overall, highly and, recommend it, and obviously like. Critically acclaimed, like one of the greatest, like I want to say they call it one of the greatest science fiction films of all time, not just animated one. Uh, it's a great sci-fi flick. It's top tier, top tier across the board. Yeah, it gets a little confusing at some parts, but I mean, what sci-fi movie doesn't? Like exactly. Yeah, it, it kind of comes with the with the genre, uh, and obviously like an awesome soundtrack. Uh, oh man, even had some video games made, Chris. There was a. No, I didn't know that. Well, fortunately, we didn't get them here, Chris. But there was a, a Famicom, like Akira visual novel, uh, released with the film uh, over in Japan, and then there really? was Akira Psycho Ball, which is a pinball simulator using like scenes. From Fuck the film. yeah! Unfortunately, those were only that was only released in Japan and Europe, uh, so we never got we never got any of the Akira games. Uh, Black, unfortunately, but that is super poopy. Yeah, and now we're just, we need that animated series. I don't care about the live action. I need more info on the animated series, but uh, yeah, that's a cure. Exactly. So cool. Awesome. Now, Cody, with that being said, I was going to say where I think you're about to beat me to the punch here. Where, um, where do you put this on your list? Oh, man. I want to put it at number one, but I, let me think here. And noodle it over mm. for a second. Man, I, I think it is going to be my new number one, actually. Okay, uh, okay, that's a that's a that's a bold that's a bold bold move. Yeah, it's going to be over Totoro, Knocking on Heaven's Door, Grave of the Fireflies, and all the rest. I think it is going to be number one. Um, it's just just a great great movie, Chris. <laughs> I really wish I would have saw this before this. Um, I feel like I've been missing out. I've only seen like glimpses, and of course, I've seen like the iconic poster and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it really is like it's a must-watch for any anime fan. Like if you you're just getting into anime and you haven't checked this out, absolutely do. Uh, Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, you watched it before you got to this podcast. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah, very... yeah, and if you haven't, stop what you're doing right now and go watch it. Yeah, you got two hours. I know you do. Yeah, and it's definitely one. I'm definitely. I've seen the manga in stores. Uh, mm -hmm. So I'll Pick it up. I'll definitely throw. Highly that. recommend it. Yeah, it looks like a Bible, uh, from what I can tell. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's big. It's meaty. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, man. Six volumes full of just chock full of phenomenal storytelling. Now, Chris, what about you? Where are you going to throw this on your ranking? So, so I'm actually going to put this. Um, it's going to be my new number four. I think I'm going to put it above. Excuse me, above Grave of the Fireflies. So I've got. I have Bloodlust, Metropolis. Mononoke. Um, Grave of the Fireflies. Yes, put this below Mononoke and above Grave of the Fireflies. That'll be your new number four out of six. Yes. Yeah, like this movie is just too good. Even though I have some gripes with the dubbing, um, like I was saying before we started recording, Cody, like I think both dubs are solid. I just think the the translation on a lot of things is kind of goofy in the original one, but the prop like it's not the voice acting. I think the voice acting is solid. And one of the things that I do enjoy about the old dub over this, I felt like the inflection in the voice matches the action on screen more than in the new dub. And it's hard to say. Like, I love Johnny Young Bosch as Kaneda, but I actually like, Cam, uh, what's his name? Uh, Cam Clark, I think is his name. Do we, do we? Yeah, Cam Clark, yeah. Yeah, I, I like his Kaneda better. Like, I think I like the voices in the original dub overall better. Yeah, I think that's fair. And and I think you mentioned like also that like this this might be one though where like the sub is also like oh, far superior. Far superior. Twelve times out of ten. Like I don't know. It's just it's one of those things where like you know if you're that if you're that guy that's like man dubbies the subtitles are always better. In the case of Akira, you're one hundred percent correct. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I won't argue if they use Akira as their point of reference. I won't argue with them. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, Cam Clark, like, he's got, obviously, like, a huge, like, I mean, I'm just looking through all these animated films that he's done. Obviously, He's got quite the impressive resume. Dude, he played Aladdin. That's my favorite Disney movie ever, so. There you go. I mean, he's been in all kinds of anime. I mean, Bleach, Duel Masters, Hunter x Hunter, Mm -hmm. Monster. Duel Masters? Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. All All kinds of great stuff that he's been a part of, so. Yeah, just can't can't recommend whichever version you watch. You're you're gonna you're in for a treat. Uh, Agreed. Concur. I concur. And speaking of which, Chris, we uh we got another film. Like we mentioned before, uh, in last week's episode, we mentioned that we had a tie between Akira and Ninja Scroll. So next week we're yes. covering Ninja Scroll. Um, another film that's available. I believe it's on Hulu. Let me double check. Uh, it sure is. It yeah. sure as shit is. Yeah, it is available on Hulu. Um, so I'll be covering that. Another throwback, the one's from, what, 93? Uh, uh, yeah, this is another one where it was like, uh, you learned a lot about anime from uh, from this movie. Like, this was one of those, like, discovery um, animes. And I remember it was the first anime I ever saw that had titties in it. <laughs> like, naked titties in it. Changed my life. <laughs> Changed the young Chris's life. Um, so, yeah. It did, it did. It was the day I became a man. Yeah, Ninja Scroll actually has a series, too. I don't know if... That's related to the movie. Uh, I think it is, but it's like very meh. Yeah, I was trying to find a place where the series was available, and it looks like it used to be on Amazon Prime. So maybe it'll be something mm-hmm. we can kind of put a pin in and watch it, check it out. Later. Yeah. Um, obviously next week we're gonna be just covering the film. Um, which means mm-hmm. Chris, we're gonna throw up another poll. Um, yes. So I'll let you. Why don't you go ahead and obviously we're gonna go with another uh, show. Um, so why don't you just. Tell us your nominations for, for this week's poll. 
Yes. So my two choices are for the one I have not seen, we're going to go with Dragon Quest, the story of Die. Okay. Um, and for the one I have seen, we're going to go with Trigun. Yeah, I'm just typing these out on Discord so I remember. Yeah. Die is D-A-I, right? D-A-I. And you mentioned that you want to watch the film. Like, say that wins, you want to watch the film that was also released on yes. Netflix? Yeah, yeah. there's there's a film on, because the Die is on Hulu that just came out this year in 2021. Mm-hmm. And I want to say at the back half of 2020, there was a Dragon Quest, like, CG anime movie that came out on Netflix called Your Story. And I want to say that's like based. It's like based on like Dragon Quest Five or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really awesome. Really should watch it. Yeah, we will watch it. Absolutely. And then of course, Trigun comes with its own movie. That being uh... the Badlands Rumble. Badlands Rumble is that what it is? Okay, I can. I believe so. Um, and then for my choices, I'm gonna go with the new revitalized Shaman King. Um, mm-hmm. Only got one season out so far on Netflix. Um, but it'll be another one we can, you know, kind of cover in bite size as it comes out. Um, because I believe, when I was reading on Wikipedia, I believe they're planning to have the whole series out by 2022. Like, have all 52 episodes out. Um, oh, capital! Yeah, so they're they're cranking out those seasons pretty quick. Um, so I'm going to nominate that. And I'm also going to nominate uh, one that I've gone back to many times in the past. And that is Eden of the East. Um, also, it's available on... I believe it's on Hulu also. I think these are all available on Hulu. Not mistaken, yeah. Uh, except for Shaman King, of course, is Netflix only at this point. Um, yeah, Eden of the East also comes with movies. I believe the one movie is just a recap story, kind of like the like the Gurren Lagann movies or like the Afro Samurai mm-hmm. movie. Um, I want to say the other one is like a either a prequel or a sequel. I can't remember. It's been a while since I saw the show. Um, but two more. It's a pre-sequel. Pre-sequel, that's right. They do those a lot these days. Uh, but yeah, two more bite-sized anime. These are only 13 episodes apiece. Um, but yeah, those, are, those will be our choices for this week's poll. Once again, Dragon Quest, The Story of Die, Trigun, mm-hmm. Eden of the East, and Shaman King. Um, and Chris, that's not all. Chris, we had a, a question, Chris. <laughs> it's been so yes. long since we've gotten a question, but finally we are back with a question. Um, a very good question as it, well. Yeah, definitely sparks some debate here. And that's whether or not we consider um, shows like Castlevania, Blood of Zeus, and what's the other one we just covered, Chris? Oh, um, Dota. Dota, thank you. Uh, like Western animation, whether or not we consider that anime or not. Um, obviously, we've already covered all three of those on on the podcast, but... You know, the more mm-hmm. like you take a like a back seat and kind of look at it, I don't think they can technically are anime. Anime, obviously, being the word for like Japanese animation. Um, well, that's the prerequisite, right? Like, if it's not Japanese, can you call it anime? Yeah, I don't think so. So maybe we goofed putting those shows on on, on the cast. But you know, Chris, I but... don't care. I I'm all here for Castlevania. Well, to play devil's advocate here Cody mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with having anime inspired shows because clearly you look at a show like Castlevania you even look at a show you know even taking Dota off the table you look at shows like Legend of Korra uh, shows on Netflix like Dragon Prince uh, Voltron um, 
the new Masters of the Universe that came out. There's these, there, most of these kind of young adult, like serious cartoons are heavily inspired by anime, by stylized, uh, like styles and storytelling. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I don't, I, while I think they're not truly, like when you really get down to brass tacks, they're, they're not anime, right? But also I'm on the same boat that if it looks like a duck and walks like a duck, probably a duck so like while i while i do uh, while i do agree that they are not anime i don't think we're doing any disservice by including them on this podcast yeah i, I think that's a good way to look at it um because we're definitely going to be covering whenever that new castlevania show comes out like that's a snap. absolutely that's a snap no poll needed we're we're watching that um absolutely i mean castlevania like it's some of the best anime that I've ever watched. Yeah, and I think and, we'll, I don't think we'll cover like like Avatar on this show. Um, yeah. Although, as much as I like Avatar, and I'll definitely watch that as well as Legend of Korra, like mm-hmm. maybe in the background. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe that's where we'll draw the line. Maybe we won't include you know Nickelodeon. Uh, as great as mm-hmm. those two shows are. Uh, yeah. yeah, and I and I think Avatar was kind of the first one, right? Like Avatar: The Last Airbender was that first. Uh, like anime inspired American show though. You could argue if you go back to the eighties, Cody, like look at shows like transformers and GI Joe, Mm -hmm. the, the intros, the theme songs are anime. They are, they are animated by, I think, uh, Toho or uh, Toei. They are animated by that studio. Interesting. Okay. Not the, not the shows. Just the, the episodes themselves were not just the intro. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think there. Oh, there is do a you fine... consider those anime? Ah, uh, I don't know. Like but the it... movie, like the Transformers movie and the GI Joe movie, the animated movies. Those are one hundred percent anime. Interesting. Those might have to go on a future poll then, Chris. Was... <laughs> They're so good. They're so fucking good, both of them. <laughs> yeah, I think. I think there's. I mean, me and you are kind of of like the group that doesn't really care. Like, we we just enjoy what we enjoy. Um, yeah. Like we're we're not like uh, oh you gotta watch it subbed or you know it's we're kind of more laid back. Uh, I am one hundred percent casual anime fan. Like I just love a good story. Yeah. I want a sh- I want a show to tell me a good story. Well, Chris, hopefully one of these four shows. I actually I, I'm pretty sure all of these four shows will tell us at least a decent story. Uh, yeah, yeah, Chris. That is uh, that's gonna do it for this week. Uh, kind of a longer episode. Let me check our runtime mm-hmm. here. Yeah, we've we've spouted on for about an hour and a half here. Um, nothing wrong with that, man. Akira is a good one. Oh yeah, absolutely. Akira is a good one. And I'm looking forward to Ninja Scroll because I don't remember much about it. I watched it on Sci-Fi Channel years ago. Um, yeah, I remember it just kind of being your standard. Like it's a run-of-the-mill samurai anime, but like. You've got your group of villains that all have your kind of like mini boss characters that all have like different powers. And uh, I want to say Jubei is the main character. He has to fucking lay waste to all of them as a samurai does in a samurai anime. But I think stylistically, it's still very, very good. Um, and it's like the OG, dude. Like this is the this is the samurai anime that like if it wasn't for Ninja Scroll, 
samurai fucking shampoo wouldn't exist. Afro samurai wouldn't exist. This is like the gold standard. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Um, so if you guys want to follow along with us, of <clears> course, <throat> you can find Ninja Scroll on Hulu. Uh, it's only like an hour and a half, so it's an easy watch. Yeah. Uh, and we're actually going to be covering that. I guess we should make our little announcement here, Chris, because we are moving the podcast to Thursdays now. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Um, we're a little bit later in the week. Um, Cody, I know your um, your final, your card game locals have started back up. Mine have also started back up, and mine are on Mondays. So yeah. I will be going to play cards on Monday because I need that release. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, so instead of recording on Mondays, posting the episode on Tuesdays, we're just going to be recording and posting the episodes on Thursday evening. Um, mm-hmm. So just, just a... It'll still be your every week Shonen Insights podcast. It'll just be two days late next week. Uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. With uh, with all that being said, guys, go watch Ninja Scroll. Go watch Akira if you haven't already. And uh, and, and watch Princess Mononoke again, but don't watch Dota or Cannon Busters. Yeah, don't watch Dota. Or, or, or High School of the Dead. Yeah, don't watch High School of the Dead. <laughs> and... Uh, Oh, and vote, please. Please vote for one of these good shows. Uh, they're going to be on our Twitter page, at Shonen and Suds. I'll probably post it on Facebook, the link to it as well. Uh, drop us a follow on all those. You guys know what to do. All the all the housekeeping stuff, you know where to find us. Shonen and Suds everywhere. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's all I got for this week. Guys, I am Cody Snodgrass. And I am Chris Adams. And as always... Thank you, thank you for hanging out and listening to two chuckleheads ramble on about anime for a couple hours.